Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Yo, what's poppin' and welcome back to the best fantasy football podcast on the air, the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast, presented to you by Manscaped. I'm your Jose, the Fantasy Football Fiend himself. I got my guy, the Fantasy Guru, Young Vander. Holler at the people. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And the rookie aficionado, Bro Joe. Holler at him. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? Yo, we got your news and notes. We got your get them, drop them, keep them. Players that can bring about some dividends to your fantasy season as far as redraft is concerned and as far as dynasty is concerned so we'll kind of distinguish as we go along which is which join us on facebook at the fantasy football fiend family facebook group again that's the fantasy football fiend f-e-i-n family facebook group now let's go right ahead and hop into your news and now your fantasy news not a whole lot of news to discuss this week, but a few things that are relevant. Uh, Justin Herbert is resuming throwing after his shoulder surgery, so he's going to be good to go. Uh, Matt Ryan joins the broadcast booth, but he indicated that this is not a retiring. So I guess he's taking the check that's coming versus waiting on the one that's not. But Matt Ryan is pivoting in his career right now, and it looks like he is going to be joining CBS Sports as an NFL analyst beginning 2023. Carson Wentz, he's indicating that he's open to a backup job. He was kind of hoping that things would fall his way, that he would be able to land on his feet with a starting position, maybe a prove-it year one more time. But as things have progressed, it looks like his best bet is going to be to uh, humble himself and make it known that he's available to be a backup, which a lot of uh, quarterbacks that were in his situation choose not to do and kind of go against the grain. But it looks like he's going to end up somewhere. Do we have a idea of what may be a good spot for Wentz based on where maybe, you know, a couple of coaches that he may have played for are now or a couple of teams that are in flux that based on, you know, what may be going on with their starter, they may, you know, benefit from him being there like maybe even like a arizona um I'm, I went i think he kind of maybe moved the meter isn't a phrase that's our proposed but i think he's a little bit better than a colt mccoy type of a situation but what do you guys think is going to go on with wince i'm not sure what's going to go on but in my opinion i think wince is a starting quarterback in his league uh i think he's a little i think people give him a little more flack than he deserves i mean if you look at his numbers i mean they're not that bad, actually. You know what I'm saying? Considering, I mean, I'd rather have Winston Baker Mayfield. That's just me. You know what I'm saying? I, um, no, I feel you on that for sure. So, <laughs> I, I think a, a good landing spot would be somewhere, uh, maybe behind one of these younger guys. He can maybe help one of those in case they kind of maybe start off slow. They have a viable backup. 
I, I just don't see him holding a clipboard for. Uh, let's, let's find somebody that's just that's stuck. Uh, uh, Pat I, got, I got a spot. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, Justin Herbert. Well, no, no, I, I got a spot for uh, you. Uh, what Burrow. about um, with Cousins only having one year left in his contract? Maybe he's a bridge quarterback to whoever. Because I don't think the guy that they drafted is going to be the next guy up. So maybe you go ahead and bring him in now, and he knows the offense when Cousins is gone, which all indications are that you know this is his last year, something like that. But if, or if wait for an from, injury. If, if they move on from Cousins, they're not trying to go get wins. I think they'll take a different. Oh no, no. I, I mean, him. They don't even currently have a backup. Right. So him there as a backup, but. If they don't have their guy of the future, you know, going into next year, they don't have to panic and just get somebody for the sake of getting somebody. Yeah, I, I was thinking maybe like Houston, Carolina. He has some, you know, from oh, long term backup. I got you. Well, I mean, maybe, but then again, you know, some of these young guys come out struggle early. You could turn to a veteran. You know what I'm saying? Because if you go from a a rookie, where are you gonna go from there? I mean, the season's pretty much over if you have a bench him. Unless they hurt, you you don't take them out. You just got to let them take their lumps. Oh, that's another option. Just wait until an injury happens and then someone call, comes calling. Yeah. Um, Trey Lance is looking good at off season, at the offseason program. Right now, it's also looking like Brock Purdy may be ready for camp. And it's been said that Sam Darnold actually has a puncher's chance at possibly being the guy as well. I don't exactly know what's going on in 49er land right now as far as QB is concerned. Maybe it's a good problem to have. Maybe it's of the old adage that if you have more than one quarterback, you don't have any. I I don't really know how to take this. I do know that normally with the 49ers and Cal Shanahan being at the helm, they can normally make quarterbacks that aren't as good as you would think look a lot better than they would in most other places. Whichever of the three is the healthiest, I think will be just fine with the 49ers offense, to be honest with you. But who's your lead dog in the race right now? Or is it really just going to come down to injury? In all honesty, I don't think Brock Purdy's going to be ready. Number one. Two, I think I think if it comes to camp, I really think Donald can take his job, to be honest with you. Um, we've seen Donald have flashes of greatness. I mean, we see him do well early on in Carolina early on in the season a year ago. Even had some old, you know, some decent games last year. Being an athletic quarterback in that Shanahan offense, he do like quarterbacks that can get outside the pocket. And with those type of weapons around him, which would be the best weapons he ever played with, hey, we can we can very well see a Geno Smith a 2.0 type situation, I think. Not to mention the fact that it was with Christian McCaffrey being healthy that it actually made him that much better of a runner himself because with McCaffrey out there, the defense was kind of focusing on him. And if you remember at the beginning of the season, before both of them got hurt, Sam Darnold actually had the most rushing touchdown for a quarterback prior to, again, like I said, both of them getting hurt. So, you know, there are a couple of things to kind of look at as far as that's concerned, but Austin Eckler isn't at voluntary workouts. So, uh, He's still kind of upset about the money situation. He did at one point in time has to be traded. Um, at one point in time, they made it seem like they could make it amicable if a trade isn't garnered. But it doesn't look like Eckler is a happy camper. Do we think that he ultimately gets traded? Or if he does stay with the Chargers, do we think this has any type of fantasy implications? I think he stays with the Chargers. As of now, keep your eye on June 1st. You know, that's the date I always speak on. It's going to be a lot of movement then. 
you know, my heart tell me that he will play one season more as a Charger. Javante Williams is making progress, and there's a good chance that he'll avoid the pup list. That doesn't necessarily mean that he will be at his best, I would say, um, week one. But Peyton is indicating that there's a pretty good chance that Williams may just be available for week one. Um, we know that he tore his ACL and LCL along with uh, severe bruising of other areas of the knee. So he did have a pretty significant injury there. And that was right around, you know, the first month or so of the season. So he won't even be quite at a year yet when the season starts, obviously. Do we really think that Williams can, you know, defy the odds and go back to looking like himself this year? Or when he's available to be in camp, isn't really indicative of, when you should actually be or have him ready to start for your team. Being that I've seen, you know, several running backs have the same exact injury, I don't think he'll be the same Javante this year, especially early on. You know how I feel. I think a year, he need another year removed in order to, you know, come back to that tip-top condition. You may very well see a better uh, Javante as the season go on, maybe, the you know, the fourth quarter of the season. You may see him pick it up then, but just because he's avoiding the pup list doesn't really mean much. You know, that's a little term he throw out there. He's, he's not going to be on the pup. Yeah, but he still might not see the field to win. You know what I mean? So just because you avoid the pup don't mean you're still ready, if that makes sense. So, uh, But I don't think we'll see a, a really good Javante until uh, next year. Hey, Joe, your boy that you were high on last year, Traylon Burks, He's indicating that he's no longer having any issues with breathing. I don't know if this is like a, you know, you can acclimate to the, you know, climate or weather of a new city and it kind of helps with your asthma, I believe is what he had or what. But he's he's saying that all signs are pointing up and that he has been able to kind of put in the time and effort this offseason and it should pay dividends. How you feeling about your boy? Uh, I'm feeling it a lot. I think um, more so of what he also did was he stayed in the facility. Like, he's really been working out rigorously there in Tennessee. And also, too, just adding muscle, doing the things that you should do nutritionally as well as physically. Like I said, like like I was saying last year, going from a smaller program where you don't have those upscale facilities, you don't have those nutritional programs, things like that going into the NFL. Some, you know, some people can do it on their own. Other people's need uh, – a little bit of push and more so the directive of being in the NFL program for more than a few years. I think that's really what it is paying off like year two, you know, he's locked in, he's in the facilities, you know, he's getting in shape and that's a good sign coming into camp. James Washington is heading to new Orleans. So um, he seems to be completely healthy. Now, do we think that James Washington kind of picking up or, or picking up where he left off, with the Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys uh, heading on over to New Orleans. Do we think this is just kind of like a backup type of a deal or could he actually end up uh, making noise just depending on how the depth chart fills out? I got beach property in Kansas. That's for sale. (laughs) Enough said on that one. (laughs) You got Michael Thomas, same team. He should be ready for training camp. So the toe injury or the ankle injury that led to the toe injury or however that works that kind of kept him out of the game now for close to three years, I think it's close to now. I don't think he's played very much since he got that $100 million contract, but barring any setbacks, he should be at or pretty close to 100% before week one. 
So is Thomas a possible sleeper or are we not really taking his word that he's actually going to play ever again? With him, I never really get my hopes up at this point. Like, it's just one of the things I just got to see it. That's yeah, that's really all I can say. I just got to see it at this point. You know, I, I would hope so, but that's what we said the past few years. Tyler Lockett restructured his contract and it freed up somewhere in the neighborhood of close to six million for Seattle. Not exactly sure what move they're looking to make, but he is going into his age 31 season with three more years on his current deal. So I'm not exactly sure what this does for them as far as his movability or anything of that nature, or if it was just literally to free up cash. But what do you think is going on here, Joe? Yeah, I think honestly it just plays into the numbers game. Um, his contract wasn't so like too bad that we couldn't get out of it, but I'm just pretty sure it's, it's helping us more so in the short term of you know making more money available and also guaranteeing him a lot more money as far as a signing bonus or however um, they've converted the money. Lockett still has a few good years on him, but this Njigba move is really big to where we stand with him because we've passed the torch so many times from, you know, wide receivers of his stature, uh, Deion Branch to, you know, Golden Tate, Golden Tate to Doug Baldwin, you know, like, or or you can say Javon Curtis to, to however you want to put it, then lock it. We've always been doing that so far, and he's he going to be passing that torch real soon to Njigba. Another guy that we're hoping is well for week one, Brees Hall has a possibility of being upright and running come week one, but there are no guarantees. Again, I'm not exactly sure how the injuries compare, but are we kind of looking at Brees and looking at uh, Williams pretty much kind of the same, or is there an edge of who may be able to start first based on any of the details of the injury? I think Brees is in way better shape than uh, Javante. I can see Brees uh, being ready week one. So I don't think these injuries are, are quite the same here. I think what's really telling is um, like three weeks removed, he's already running on the treadmill. You know, the ones a little with the compression for the, for the air and everything. He's running on that one like relatively fast off the rip. I like him, man. He's he's one of those dogs, man. He, he He's one of the workout warriors as well, too. So I'm just eager to see like what he looks like going to the training camp. Lastly, we'll wrap it up with per Ben Standig of The Athletic. Commanders head coach Ron Rivera wants to get running back Antonio Gibson more touches in 2023. It sounds like to me, Eric Bieniemy, who is in charge of the offense, has told Ron Rivera that he isn't about to mess up his opportunity to show the offense that he can run because of whatever grudge that he has against Gibson. And Gibson is the better running back for the type of offense that Eric wants to run. Because Ron Rivera isn't normally the type of coach that just, you know, does that, you know, about face as far as his feelings towards any given player. So I I think it's kind of telling that it's coming out now that it's Ron Rivera who wants to get the ball more to Antonio Gibson. But I think that has a whole lot to do with conversations behind closed doors between the head coach and the offensive coordinator. I would just say that, you know, in regards to Antonio Gibson, I think he, at this current time, he presents the most speed. Like, yeah, they got Chris Rodriguez, but it's the same as having a Brian Robinson as far as, well, honestly, I think he reminds me of Geis more than anything, but still another slow running back. Antonio Gibson has the added dimension, right? He's a wide receiver playing running back. 
that can do a little bit of everything when healthy. I think it just makes the room a lot more steady, but I don't think it makes him a three down back by any, you know, any stretch of imagination. And that pretty much wraps up your news. Let's go ahead and get into get them, drop them, keep them. Get them, drop them, keep them. All right, good people. So let's go ahead and get into our first segment of the off season of get them, drop them, keep them. Just so you guys have a heads up, when we say get them, drop them, keep them. Get them obviously means exactly what it says. When we say drop them, that doesn't exactly mean drop them. That means that you may want to look at trading this person. You may want to look at that. You may want to look at getting the most value you possibly can. In some cases, it actually does mean drop them. <laughs> we'll definitely specify there and then keep them. These are the guys that in some cases, maybe their value has taken a hit and you would do yourself service to hold on to them until they are actually on the field again. Or maybe there's some cases where, you know, there's a guy that the average consensus says that he's kind of taking a turn, but we think that he may have another good year to in him. And we'll kind of go over that, but we're going to go ahead and kick it off with who we're going to go get. So Joe, start us out with your first get them. Out of my, I'm going to do my least favorite out of the two, but I still, I still love it relative to fantasy. And that's Desmond Ritter. Going into the season, a lot of people are going to be more skeptic. But I really like him as like a second quarterback or even a third quarterback, depending on how your league is structured. In the four-game sample size, we can all agree that we didn't see enough. We didn't see many things to wow us in the sense of, you know, broad numbers, something that can really stand out. I like what the Falcons are doing to build around him and also to kind of put in place an offense that's not going to ask a lot out of him. Looking at like what they have currently, like for example, like the third best uh, Russian team, they were tenth and third down conversion rate. They have one of the best offensive lines in football: Matthews, Dalman, Lindstrom, McGray, and then they add Bergeron uh, in the second round this year. What I like about this kid is no turnovers in those four games, right? And also, too, he had a game-winning drive and fourth quarter comeback. I just think this year uh, what they're going to do for him is going to really open up the offense a lot more, go back to what they did more so in 2021. We saw Pitts as a slot receiver, outside receiver. They have now Drake London in place. I just think even uh, Robinson being able to catch a lot of balls. And I think we're going to see a lot of Algier, Robinson. They're going to get real creative on offense. I think this easy kind of moves him up because obviously in four starts, you can't really consider him in ranking. But this can easily put him in a place of maybe a QB 15 to 18. Again, you don't, I'm not saying he's your bona fide stud of a starter, but as far as consistency year to year, I really am bold on him and really what the offense consisted of. And looking at how my last point, like Ragone or however you want to pronounce it, uh, how they kind of handled Fields his rookie season, I think it was a learning point for him as to how to get somebody like Ritter involved. And I think Ritter is going to do a lot of RPO in his offense people forget like this guy's a track star who also ran a four five two while refining his mechanics at quarterback so i think we're going to get a lot out of him in this offense but you're not asking him to do nothing but you know like i said be a 15 to 18 quarterback looking at the dynasty lens uh, for myself as far as this pick is concerned but cal pitts is still the guy that was the first tight end in 50 seasons to have a thousand receiving yards as a rookie. So he's still that dude. Then this situation changed a little bit. But just as Bro Joe just said, I think Ritter's gonna kind of settle in a little bit. I still believe that Pitts is 
the maybe the one B to being the best receiver on the team. London does his thing, but I'm not 100% sure that Pitts isn't still the best receiver on the team. Obviously, he disappointed um, in his sophomore season, finishing with just 28 catches for 356 yards, two touchdowns, and missing the last six games of the season with the torn MCL. But I do also believe that that's why you can probably get him for a value if you were attempting to go trade for him, or even if you wanted to get him in redraft, I think he's going to fall a little bit. Uh, we'll kind of have to see where the average draft position ends up for Pitts. But I believe that he is, he could be, depending on the current owner, he could be a steal right now. So Pitts is a guy that I will attempt to go get. Vander, who's first up on for you? I'm afraid of Pitts, by the way. <laughs> you afraid of him? Yeah, I mean, being that. It's such a run-heavy, you know, uh, mind that's over there. And then with them drafting Pijon, I just think we're about to see uh, Derrick Henry all over again. You know what I'm saying? But that doesn't mean that he can't get his thing off. But yeah, he's gonna be I, I, I agree with you. But yeah. remember, A.J. Brown got off the same time Derrick Henry did. So, you know, there's that too. Yeah. Um, man, that, on, that team specifically, actually, I didn't mean to interrupt. That team yeah, specifically, the, the tight end also was able to get off during the years that he yeah, yeah. was doing his thing. So, you but know, being, like, hey. being his, his lack of blocking, I think, is a thing that's going to be – that's the one thing that kind of kills him and kind of make him not really one-dimensional but kind of not scheme-friendly where they can kind of – But kinda, don't you think that makes it more likely that if he's out there, he's out there to catch the ball because he don't block? Right. That's why I was saying he's he's kind of a wide receiver but just with the tight end designation. But that's what I'm saying, though. Teams can very well predict what's going on, you know what I'm saying, with him not being that much of a blocker. Yeah, but I think that's why you go back to him being more so 2021, where he was more so the outside receiver, right. slot receiver. They're going to have to move him around a lot more. And this kid is somebody who ran a 4.38, so it can easily convert him to a wide receiver outright because he's fast enough to do it by itself. <laughs> but I also think that lends mm. to John o. Smith being brought in because we know one thing about John o. Smith, that boy can block. Yeah, yeah. True. Uh, man, based on the early ADP data, I'm going to say Kadarius Tony. You got Juju Smith. Now, now let me ask you this, because you said ADP. Are we talking about possibly try to go get him in a trade, or is this just somebody to keep on your radar for if you're not, starting your dynasty or, or, or redraft? I think you should go get him as well, even if you're on gotcha. dynasty. I mean, you got Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hartman. They're no longer in Kansas City. Right. Uh, these guys have a combined 135 targets, 103 catches, 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns. Now. That production may not seem much for two people, but that's that's a lot. That's a lot they're leaving behind. Andy Reid is already gushing about this guy, uh, about the job that he did. He came in for him last year. The only thing, the only thing about Kadarius is those lower extremity injuries, the soft tissue stuff, a hamstring. Oh, my quad. Oh, my groin. You know what I'm saying? And those quick twitch muscles. And use it for fast guys. You tend to get these type of injuries. That's why you see guys like Julio Jones. It's always the same stuff. Hammy. Quad growing, and he quad, you know what I'm saying? Because these guys are very explosive. So I, I think I, I like him. Every since I mean, if you if you hear the guys talk about him in the locker room, they say the guy is extremely smart, IQ very high. He knows the playbook. Even in the Super Bowl, there was a play. You remember the play that they ran, kind of like a motion, and I believe that uh, Mahomes was calling for I think Sky Moore or someone to move. No, he's calling for Tony to move, and Tony's like, no. It's, it goes the other way. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he ran it and caught the touchdown, that little touchdown play they did by the end zone. This guy knows the playbook. I mean, he even had to correct Mahomes on his play. You know what I mean? So that being said, uh, I like his potential. I mean, don't be surprised at this guy. He can end up being top 20. 
I, I think that highly of him. If he could stay healthy, though, so that's the disclaimer. He must stay healthy. But his potential is amazing. I mean, his upside is just is crazy. So I'm going to go with uh, Kadarius Tony. Not asking for names, but if you were the person that was trying to go get Tony, what easy. would be your offer and what do you think would be fair? Well, you don't have reason, to give names, like maybe like wide receiver. Yeah, two, I get well, well, the reason I say go get him now because, you know, once camp, you know how camp news is. And once you hear, oh, Kadarius is doing this, or oh, he's doing that, break out. Like, it's Rice already starting to, right? you know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying, guys, you might want to go out and get these guys now before the buzz come. Kind of be before, you know what I'm saying? Um, but an offer I would make maybe in a dynasty league, if you if you have a pretty good team, you maybe you feel like you're going to be picking at the back end of the draft next year, middle to back, I'll give up a first-round pick for him. That's if you're talking picks. And you got guys in your league that like picks, and he's a guy. First round picks are good. Maybe uh, a really good handcuff. Because, I mean, everybody, it's kind of hard to give you a player because yeah. the person that's the Tony owner, you got to look at the need of this team. Right. But I definitely, if I'm going off picks, definitely cool with a, a late first round and maybe even a, a first a and a second. running back. A tear of a running back. Um, yeah, because normally when someone's trading a wide receiver, they're, they're, well, it's either picks, like you were just saying, or they're trying to fill the opposite um, hole, which is the mm. running back position. So, like, what tier? Not necessarily see, running if you don't back have a person. Is, yeah, running back is so, so, so valuable to top guys. I wouldn't want to give any of the top running backs for them. When you say top, um, you mean like top 10, top 5? Yeah, I wouldn't, give, I wouldn't give any top 10 guys. I'm okay. going to give up any top 15 guys, to be honest with you. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? I wouldn't go that far. Not right okay. off. Because those gotcha. the way this league is going and the teams that some of these guys is on, those guys are gonna have some string value. I tell you what, I may give up Rashad White for him. Okay. I see where you're going. Someone may look at that and be like, oh hell yeah, I'll take Rashad because everybody right. looking at him starting running the starter back. and all that. Right. Yeah, I may I may take that chance though. Joe, you up. Who else you got? Forget him. Man, I'm gonna go Chris Olave. You know, it's ironic that we were just talked about the Saints not too long ago. Looking at Chris Olave, you know, he finished last year, what, 22 standard, 25 PPR. But it's a lot of outliers as far as the numbers. He was also 10th in yards before the catch. And then also um, he was 7th in average depth of target. So that's telling me off the bat compared to everybody else that was uh, on this list is that he was getting open by a mile. He was really the the, really the deep threat of this team, but at really an elite level. He only had 72 receptions on, uh, on the season, but it was clear and cut that this guy had needed way more volume than what he was getting, a ton more volume. And it was kind of crazy where he finished as far as the targets. So what I'm liking is that obviously with this Dennis Allen team is that he now gets Derek Carr. It's the similarities on offense is eye-popping. But I also feel like now with the return of health to Mike Thomas, but I also think it doesn't matter that he's going to be featured a lot in the slot. With Carmichael, like I said, it's very similar to um, the things that Carr had already done. And Carr's already spoke to it in interviews, how it's really not so much learning anything more than terminology. I think this is a, a Hunter this is Hunter Renfro, but the steroids version. Because if you put Olave in the slot, consider in 2021, uh, Renfro had, what was that? What, 103 receptions, 1,038 yards, and nine touchdowns? Shoot, Olave already had the 1,000 yards and four touchdowns with just 72 receptions. Obviously, we all know that this guy is on a rise. He's the next star receiver on this team. 
Like I said, you don't need much in terms of getting this guy the ball to produce value. I think he's going to be one of the next receivers, which we kind of already know now. But I think people don't understand, like, this Derek Carr moves really moves the needle for how they're going to utilize him. More so now making him a premier uh, slot target. And I don't, I don't, I hadn't seen anybody catch this kid in open space once he broke open. So I think you got to really look at Olave. If you're somebody who want to hammer in on a potential, you know, wide receiver one, it doesn't matter what Michael Thomas is going to do in health. Like we've seen his productivity and just spurts. We'll see him in the first half, 23 yards. And then the second half when they down four receptions for 87 yards, you know, you know, we see those big yards out of nowhere from this kid, but we just asking, we're, we're not even asking. He's going to get a ton more value going into next season. I, I'm all over Olave. It's the thing with Olave is people kind of already know his value. So it's much, it's more so like you got to play the game before the game's played because until camp, because that's when we all know people to speak on players, his value is last season. So it's still going to cost you something. Derek Carr and, you know, people are seeing him utilizing the slide and moving around the offense and getting talked up. It's going to be some, it's going to be like two, three giraffes by that point. So I say <laughs> you got to pounce on Olave now because, again, his average depth of target, the yards travel, all those analytics that you look for as far as deep passes, it's near elite. We talk about Tyreek, Waddle, AJ Brown, all of those level guys. He's in that same elk already as a rookie so we just it's it's inevitable he's gonna get more volume and utilize in the slot which is gonna be scary i just think it'd be difficult to to get a chris Olave. i don't know if the lobby owners would give him up <laughs> i agree like it's one of them things like i said you want to pay today's value for it but i'd rather get him for whatever that value would mean to that owner today then the wait, like I said, to June, July, when that's when we finally seeing pictures and video clips and all that other stuff, it's going to be too late by the time we see them with Carr. Vander, go ahead and hit us off with your get them. Running back. I'm going to go to running back. Uh, I think everyone should go get Shamar J.P. Ron. But potentially with the Javonta thing, I don't think he's going to be ready for the start of the season. That could very well be one of those six-week things, four-week things. Uh, go ahead and take advantage of that. You see they're not really bringing in any – Competition, I think they bought in, you know, Latavius Murray, who I'm not really afraid of. Even if no, Latavius went to the Bills, he left them. Latavius, so he's not on the Broncos. No, no, he he went to Bills now. Okay, Joe, didn't he go to the Bills, Joe? He went to the Bills. Yeah, okay, okay, cool. So, uh, they got Mike Boone, I think. No, I don't, I don't know who they, else no, they got. I don't think they have Mike Boone anymore. I know they he's going in, to um, Tony they got Jones. Somebody. They brought in Tony Jones. They Jones, in, okay. You know, some couple guys, but I mean, his current ADP is 178. On some, uh, 113 on others. I just think with, you know, in, in the four games in, in 22 with the Bengals, with double-digit touches, you know, he scored at least 13 points PPR at each out-in. The guy, he's a he's a great receiving back. That's one. He's definitely, you know, he's a great um, block of the blitz. He's big. He's physical. So he can pretty much be a three-down back at the start of the season. Being that way, he's chosen that. I think he just wanted better sleepers this year. He can, he can very well win you some games early in the season. Wow, you know, a lot of people waiting for Javante to come back. I think it's going to be a long uh, rehab type of deal with him. And this is going to be your RB1. This is going to be the starter. While people still waiting for more Javante news and stuff, he may him, you know, very well sneak in and steal a guy like Usamaji Piran. He may be free in some leagues or close no, to No, it. no, no. He's definitely not free. You don't think he's free? No, absolutely not. Okay. I think, I, people, I, 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 I think you can get him for next to nothing. 
The, but this is what we're talking about. Go get them. Uh, absolutely. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Go get them. I mean, Go get them while you can, basically. Do you feel like he's one of those guys that you might be able to pick up for like a third? No. You don't think so? No, 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 no. A lot of people look at the name and the lackluster behind the name and not what the would-be production could be because of all the news that you're hearing about Williams. So I think that kind of actually makes it a little bit easier to go get P. Ryan. I don't think a third would do it. That's that's definitely not strong enough. I would. I, mean, I don't even think a, a second uh, would do it. I wouldn't give up anything higher than that because he's only good for the few weeks that Williams is down. Again, Sean Payton. Payton we see him have two running backs in the top ten. So well, that's true too. That's whether whether Javante comes back or not, I mean, that's true. He still can be extremely valuable. I'll like give I you say, that. Yeah. So I wasn't looking at it from that perspective. Yeah, I'm not concerned about that. I think this is. I think he's gold. You haven't seen running backs not do well in the Sean Payton offense. So I wouldn't, me personally, I wouldn't take a second round pick for him. People not looking at him like that, I'm telling you. They should. I don't know why not. Like, to uh, Zay's point, if I can get him for cheap, I'm, I would definitely take that. I definitely get your point, Vander, where if you're the owner, I would probably want more. But I also think it's, play, it's, it's two sides of the coin. Like, yes, he could play out to be RB1, but we've seen late in – even to the preseason and late going into the regular season where teams go and add the ne- another running back or add two running backs. And I think if you can get them now for le- next to nothing, get them. But to your point, if it's a, a second round and up, I'd rather be cool to uh, Zay point because ain't no point in paying for it. And, and he might be four to six weeks. I can get by. If I already drafted how I already drafted, I'd get by four to six weeks without a P run. Now, if I'm in dire need, that's a different conversation. Give me about hmm, a week or two after June 1st. Give, give me to mid-June after the cuts happen, because I think a lot of running backs, normally I, well, a lot may be a relative term, but I think several running backs will be cut, and I think that's when Denver may you know, pounce on that additional back, and then, then we may kind of have a, a better feel for the value of Piran, which, which is one of the only reasons why I would say I wouldn't give up just yet anything more than maybe a third and then a wide receiver that I don't necessarily need to hold on to if that team was in need of a wide receiver, something like that. But yeah. I wouldn't go, you know, too high. Well, if any P round owners out there do not sell this dude for a third round pick, I'm telling you, you're going to be upset. <laughs> That's now, all I, I, say I can believe that. I can, I, I can <laughs> definitely believe that. But I, I'm just saying like, just, I don't know. It, it's, it's a lot of variables, but I get where you're coming from though. My last guy for get him. Is actually Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper was actually wide receiver 17 last year. He had 26% of the target share. He was also 26% uh, targeted with his uh, per route ran, 38% of the air yard share, which was seventh in the NFL. So uh, he's only 29. He he seems like he's been in the NFL forever, but he's not an elder statesman yet. Kind of getting there, but I believe that the offseason that he and Watson can have together and just being able to kind of gel a little bit more, become a little bit more instinctive as far as their play together. And with just Watson in general, having a little bit more of his sea legs under him, if you will, I think it's going to bode well for Cleveland in general. But Cooper, I can see I can see him being a wide receiver one. Through all the turmoil of last year, he ended up at wide receiver 17 so moving up five spots with the quarterback being able to play twofold better i don't think is going to be too much to ask and as of right now 
the expert consensus ranking on him is wide receiver 32. So if you tell me I can get Cooper as wide receiver 32 currently, and he was wide receiver 17 last year with Jacoby Brissett being his quarterback for a good part of the year and then having to acclimate to Watson for the rest of the year, I'll take my chances that that guy is going to get better with quarterback the caliber of Watson being there for a full year and a full offseason. Now, quick antidote. I did just read somewhere that Watson took a whole bunch of the players to Puerto Rico or something like that. And I hope I hope they took somebody that got some sense and, and nothing stupid happens in Puerto Rico while they have this little uh, offseason excursion. I really think that that team in general is going to be on the rise and Cooper is going to be one of the main beneficiaries of that rise. Moving on to the drop-ems. Vander, hit us with your first drop First drop I'm going to say Dawson Knox. Okay, okay. You know, uh, he's, 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 a, he's I know it's kind of like, oh, Dawson Knox, yeah. Tight end, you know, he come out of nowhere with that one. The rankings on the wall, man. I know he's there. It seems like it's all good, but this boy King Cave, like, there's a lot of rumblings in the building. And basically what I mean by that, I'd rather, you know, kind of, See if I can get some value for him before the train start coming downhill. Because I think once it does, then he's going to lose value, if that makes sense. So I'd rather move him now while he still has the Dawson Knox value. And Kincaid is the the rookie. Uh, We all know rookies don't really translate well, but the really good ones do. And he's one of the really good ones. They're already saying they're going to use him more like a receiver. I've seen uh, reports where he's going to be more like a Kelsey. He already have a comp of a Kelsey. But the Bills said they want to move, use him like a Kelsey. I never heard it about Dawson Knox. That's that's true. He's you know, been there for a while, and they've never right. said they want. They, to use they him never like said that. we're gonna do this and do that. That's a good so point. They're looking at Kincaid as a weapon. He's a, the new weapon on the team. So I would want to get rid of him while he still has some value to a, a tight end needy team, and, and see if I can grab some late picks or some of that nature for him. Joe, who you got for your first dropper? I will go Jawan Johnson. And then uh, I think, wow, you know, both of y'all went tight in. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead. And I think, you know, we all saw what he did. We all thought that he was going to break out and everything like that. And then they followed up and they didn't sign him for next to nothing. Also, too, Foster Moreau, like someone who I spoke about episodes ago, who was like my, like my sleeper tight end and going to the free agency, had he not had, you know, the issues with the lymphoma cancer, they were going to sign him to a bag just less than a week after signing uh, Jawan Johnson. And obviously, for all intents and purposes, that was going to be Derek Carr's guy. Obviously, yeah, they, they, they found out during the physical, I believe. Right. That's exactly. when they found out about the cancer. Yeah. Now, even without, like, take, take Moreau out of it and put him as a backup and not a starter. Another thing that I always noticed, and I, I think I may have referenced it in the show, Foster Moreau always dipped into Darren Waller's production. It's particularly in the red the red zone. So before he even jumped off the wall, he was already cutting into productivity in the red zone, poaching uh, you know, those those receptions in the red zone. And even I think it was one year, I think it was a 2020, he had three touchdowns and hardly any usage, right? So by itself, Moreau, Moreau as a backup would be a hindrance to Juwan. But also too, the amount of money vested into Moreau. We already know what time it is with that type of commitment. You can always have two tight ends, but when have we seen – it's been a long time since we've seen two tight ends be used valuable. I feel like people can cash in on Juwan Johnson's outstanding season 
everybody's going to continue to sleep on Foster Moreau and what he means to that offense. Cash it in, man. You can use that to upgrade the position of need, whether it's wide receiver or running back, because to my opinion, everybody going into it, we was thinking he'll be top 15, you know, in that conversation for top 10. Move him, like honestly, because whether Foster is the starter or the backup, Tom would tell us that he did it with Darren Waller, and if he's the backup, he's still going to do it to a guy like Jawan. But if he's the guy, already, you know, going back to what I, I spoke about him from past shows, I think he was about to break out before the cancer, unfortunately. So trade Jawan, man. Get you a position of need, add value to your team, whether you can get a high, you know, high draft pick from somebody who, you know, who you know going to be, <laughs> unfortunately, the loser to the, the dynasty or wherever, just add value that way. Jawan Johnson, I, I think he won't have, he won't return the same value next year. What would you move him for? Man, if I could, if I can get like, like I said, position of need first, right? But if somebody is, like I said, for a tight end needy team or somebody who is familiar with him, want to give me a second round pick for him, I'm all game for that. If you're going to give me even a, a you know, because obviously we're in 2024, especially since we just had the draft, people are going to, so depending on how you look at it, some people are going to overvalue the draft. And some people are going to be like, well, I didn't get this guy last year or this draft wasn't what I thought it was. People are going to be willing to part from draft picks a lot easier. I think you can get a second-round pick for Juwan. And believe it or not, Joe, a lot of leagues, like a lot of leagues, haven't done their rookie draft yet. We seem to be the early birds um, in, in the dynasties that we're in, but we like to do a lot of moving <laughs> and shaking. But a, a lot of leagues are waiting until close to when redraft happens to – have anything pop off but my drop them i i pivoted i guess from you guys with the two tight ends and i went with running back this is a guy that i think his name can still get you something but you better get whatever you're gonna get and get it fast alvin kamara he only saw eight versus Taysom hills 12 red zone attempts which is just horrible I, i'm still trying to figure out how that works that the tight end gets more red zone attempts rushing attempts than the running back but that's what happened last year he was also limited to just two rushing touchdowns because of that split but from weeks 13 through 18 kamar never saw more than two passes the days of him being a beast as far as receiving as far as um the last couple of years it just hasn't been there his target share fell from 22 percent to 11 percent in his first four years in the NFL, he was averaging somewhere around 90 receptions per year. That's what really bolstered his fantasy value. Not necessarily, um, he had that one year where he put up a lot of touchdowns, but it's more so been his pass catching chops that have given him consistency. And if he's not going to get that type of a workload combined with the fact that he's going to be suspended for some part of this upcoming year. So if you're looking at just redraft, that really puts a hole in the boat. But with Dynasty, he's only going to be one year older. They're already talking about the rookie Miller. Um, he's already proven dividends in, in, in camp. And um, with running backs, you can normally kind of tell kind of early with rookies if they're going to kind of be worth their salt and they're kind of bragging on him right now. And then they also went and got Jamal Williams, who led the NFL for a good portion of the year last year in uh touchdown. So I can see him actually taking over for Taysom Hill, so to speak, who was the lion's share of the red zone. I can see him getting those red zone attempts that Taysom Hill got. And it now kind of being where, 
you may not see Kamara. I mean, if he only got two with eight, he's probably going to be looking at less than that now. So I will get rid of him now while I can. You know, if you're stuck with him, it is what it is. But I would kind of be humble and not look at him for his name, look at him for what he is likely to produce unless there's some news that he's going to be moved to a running back needy team. I'm I'm not feeling Kamara right now. Joe, hit us with your next drop my next drop I'm gonna go with Amon Ra St. Brown. Definitely not a drop, obviously. What? Um, yeah, I'm I what I, I want to trade. I would want to trade him. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I want to hear this. So and this, this is somebody who who took Amon Ra. Well, I took I got him really early for I got him for cheap actually. So going into this season, right? I think it really comes down to this, right? And it's the I'm glad that that was your response, right? Because he was ninth on standard, seventh in PPR. So in this situation, to me, and what I kind of was paying more attention to is the main thing from last year to this year is now you're going to have, one, a healthy Jamison uh, Williams. Secondly, they have a returning cast of, obviously, Reynolds, Raymond, a slew of, of receivers. I think only two receivers aren't coming back from, from last year. And Sam LaPorta, right? So it's like, oh, okay, but that's still no problem, Joe. Why, why would you want to trade him? I think to me, as far as a numbers game, people would think of the third year is the wide receiver is breakout year, everything else, right? Me, in my personal opinion, I think he's good yeah, weeks one through six, but the second Jameson Williams come back, it's game over. Sam LaPorter is to be a better Hawkinson than Hawkinson was for the Lions, not speaking for his, what he's done for the Vikings. You're getting somebody who's already a receiving tight end on that note. You're getting Jameson Williams, who whom, which was healthy, would have been considered one of the top receivers. And I feel like the pieces they have around him, he's not going to be as focal as a, you know, as a focal point as he was in years past. He's still going to be him. So I don't think that he'll, he'll as opposed to being ninth and seventh standard PPR, I think he kind of regressed more so to that 15, that 15 to, to 19 area. Jesus, what? It's not. I still like him. I still think he can eclipse a hundred yards. I still think he can get seventy to eighty receptions. But the mouths there, the quality of the mouths there is different. Like Shark and everybody else, those was no. That was outliers. Ben Wright. But that's know, hey. but that's the thing though. So because he he'll have a, another high caliber wide receiver there, he should be able to garner a little less attention. And let's not forget that this is the same offense that featured Cooper Cup. It isn't Williams that's in that position. It's Brown that's in that position. And as you told me in years past, it's St. Brown that golf referred to as his current Cooper Cup. Now, when they amassed more talent with the Rams, it didn't make Cooper Cup worse. It made them better. So I don't ag- I don't agree with that. But like, like when he was the only one there and he was the only one that they had to focus on, he was a stud. But now that you can't pay attention to him and you got to go kind of uh, almost one-on-one, like, I, I, I don't know, bro. I, I don't know. To me, it's, it's targets and opportunity more so than anything else. Like last year was – Literally, he's the not only is y'all limited due to injury and due to the Hawkinson, like in the move with Hawkinson, but it was nobody formidable on the other side until obviously Reynolds came on and then he had the other guy, I forgot his name. Like outside of those two people, it was the Amon Ross show. Talking about Raymond? Yeah, Raymond. There we go. Now you're getting people of stature, more of quality. Like I think, again, I feel like 15 to 18 isn't. I'm not trying to like. I'm. I, he's still a good player in my eyes. I still like him. 
But I think the targets is what the main thing is. That's, he's a cup. If we're going to put him as a cup, Cup can operate with the like, as much volume as he did. I don't think he gets as much volume. That's my concern with him. Because, again, it's not like we're saying, oh, he's not going to get it and he got the same inferior talent. No, Jameis, Jason Williams is a deal. Sam Laporta is a deal. I don't care about Marvin Jones and everybody else, you know what I mean? But I just think I just think he's going to have a, a slight regression. I don't think it's a – I think overall he'll still be a great player, but this is a situation where somebody can look at ninth and seventh depending on what kind of format it is, and this is the big move, right? This is you getting a good running back. This is you getting a talented piece maybe to make a move for quarterback if you're in need of a quarterback. I think that's the difference in conversation with this because, again, he's going to look good one through six, but Jamison Williams is a legit stud. And I'm not saying that like that like nobody knows that, but he's a really good player. It's crazy gambling got him off the field. So basically, moreover, you're saying that you'll never be able to get more for him than you can today. Not that he'll be right. a worse player. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's he's still he's still a dude. He's still a dude. Yeah. If you're listening, if you're a fan of me, Fanda, don't do that. <laughs> don't you trade St. Brown. <laughs> if if you were listening and you'd be like, yo, I like Vanda. I like to listen. I'm gonna follow his lead. I'm telling you, don't you do that. <laughs> you, you hang on to this guy. I'm not worried about no Laporta. Okay, Laporta just got there. He's a tight end. He's a rookie. Who knows how long that's going to take before he catch on. Jameson, not only he's suspended. Suspended for six games. So that means there's more or less time to build chemistry because this thing is about chemistry. Yeah. He has a chemistry with St. Brown. And then when Jameson does come back, he's a downfield guy. Who's going to catch the ball from 20 to 20? That also means you got seven weeks to trade him into the season where he is the focal point if you're going to trade him versus, you know. Like, who's going to be the guy from the 20 to 20? Who's going to move the chains? Yeah. Now, Jamar Gibbs, is, I mean, it's yeah, almost like they were no Swift. Swift. Yeah. No, no, but, 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 but the difference with Swift whoa, was he whoa, stayed hurt. Swift. So, so they're, they're trying they, – no, they replace Swift with a guy that has a better Yeah, but it's the same thing. Him. Like, he going to get his couple balls at the backfield, do whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but so Swift would have got a lot more if he stayed healthy, is what I'm saying. But that doesn't hit. But even Swift getting his never affected St. Brown. No, well, I agree. It's not no, like look, these guys are drawing I'm trying back, to help throwing. your argument. I, I, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here because I'm with you. I, don't. I, I, I was surprised. Don't play devil's advocate, I got, okay? I, I, got I, was surprised. <laughs> I got Garrett Wilson with my with my logic, so I'm, I'm happy either way. We can have this conversation during the regular season. I'm, I'm going to make note of the response. Man, no. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it y'all i'm telling you don't regret it oh man my guy i would say drop man before the the dump hit the fan uh tua tag up um, okay you know especially to a quarterback needy team he may look at tua and be like yeah i'll take that okay but man this is a nice car this is a mercedes s580 benz nice lights inside Formatic, whatever you want to call it. This is the, the the nice bins, but it didn't tell you it was in Katrina. <laughs> Again, this is a flood car. You know what I'm saying? And he's one shot away from being out of here. The guy already said he contemplated retirement during the whole season. So if I have my guy having those type of thoughts, said no bueno. Yeah, if I'm having, if my guy is having my quarterback, that is having those type of feelings and leading going into a season. He could be out for the year, week one. 
let's say he doesn't, you know, take that lick or whatever. I think he'll still be gun shy because he knows that it don't even have to be a hard lick. Just he can't nah. protect himself falling. It's not even a like clear like running to you. It's a no. sling down. Like he got slung down and and he was throwing the west side. Right. In, in one of them, it was just like he fell literally back. He didn't get actually popped, but he fell back and he couldn't brace himself and his head bounced off the turf. And that happens right. to more players than you would think. Like that happens yeah. on more plays than you would think. So if that can take you down, man, he, he, I, he I, I think dead. he'll be shaking in his own boots. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's a, I, I like that call. Yeah, if I'm a tour owner, I'm definitely getting off of him. If there's some other positions on your team that needs help, look to fill those if you need the wide receiver. If you need a another running back, hell, the way Joe talking is is St. Brown available, we'll get him. Hell, I don't know. But um definitely get off this guy. Uh, buyer beware is at the same time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if if you'd have got us to the show and somebody trying to send you to it, you know what I'm saying? Don't get him. You know what I mean? But this is a guy I'm definitely trying to get off my team and see if I can get some capital for him, maybe some future draft picks, or definitely a position I could feel a need this particular season. My drop them is going to be Keenan Allen. If you can move this guy, go ahead and do that. Um, there's talk that he may be moved himself. Couple that with injury, then bind that to the fact that now they have a new young gun at wide receiver and uh, Quentin Johnson. And this is a situation where he's going to naturally be moved out of the offense if he's still on the team. Between he and Williams, they, they tend to trade, you know, getting hurt. So if it's at all possible that you can move Keenan Allen for anything of value, um, there's some pretty good wide receivers. The high end or even the middle parts, the second round, um, may, maybe you can get, maybe you can trade Keenan Allen for a second round pick and a backup running back or something like that, like a RB3, or may, maybe someone has your handcuff or something like that to one of your starting running backs and maybe you could trade Keenan Allen for a, um, you know, second round pick plus your handcuff or something like that. That's more valuable to you than it would be to others. Maybe you want to look for that type of a scenario, but I would look at moving on from Keenan Allen. We're going to wrap it up with our keepums. Vander, who are you going to start us out with? Uh, this is a big time name being, you know, due to circumstances, age, wear, tear, people saying, I'm keeping Derrick Henry. I know okay, people, I can see that. You know, people are saying, man, you know, man, he's about, he's damn, he's 30. He about to be 30. And he got 5,000 carries, man, and this and that. There hasn't been any sign of slowdown here. Usually you see guys start to trend down as they get to that point, a la Ezekiel Elliott. You know, once they reach that, you start to see the, I haven't seen any letdown with this guy. This is a Honda Accord right here. You know, the Honda Accord got 300,000 miles on it. Just that uh, 1997 at yeah, that. Yeah, that one, that one. 95 <laughs> Accord, that's this right here. 9500 Accord, you never did anything. All you did was put gas in and change the oil, and you never had an issue with it. It has 300,000 miles on it. You never did anything to it, but change the oil. That's what this guy is. And not only that, he comes in this year with the easiest schedule for a running back. So let that sink in. His schedules tend to get easier on the back end. If you've been a Derrick Henry owner for years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When the snow on. falls, like, <laughs> the Yeti comes out. <laughs> From like week 13 on, it's like Houston Texans, Jaguars. Like he's getting all this right. easy. But this year he has the easiest schedule for running back from the very beginning. 
in his so, division and out of his division. Right. So, so I mean, he's, think about it. You still got Houston. You got Jacksonville. So you still got these teams you're going to be facing. Now, let me ask you this, though. Have you given any thought to him losing his two best offensive linemen? No, I really haven't. Because no. he was almost in tears. He basically said, you know, but those his boys, though. Right, yeah. right. But but yeah. but he right. wasn't lying yeah. when he said that they he, sometimes he ain't getting touched till three yards down the field. And once that somebody that big gets that heavy steam, but few games that I saw him being ineffective is when defenses were able to get to him at the line or behind the line right. and losing the two best offensive linemen. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I, I'm not saying I don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. I'm just bringing up the fact that he did lose his two best linemen. So what looks like a great schedule maybe would have been great if he had the same line, but now maybe it's kind of average, if you will, based on having two rookies filling in. Yeah, well, they got Andre Dillard from the Eagles. He's a former uh, Philadelphia Eagle, if I'm not mistaken. But but not familiar. Is he is he all right? Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, nah, he good. He good. He, he good. Solid. Okay, cool. You know what I cool. mean? Um, he he he's solid, and they they got the rookie guard that they brought in. Left guard is a rookie. Yeah, that they they picked up in the draft. Uh, so from from Northwestern, it's still Derrick Henry, man. I mean, you know when okay. they get closer to the end zone, chances are who's gonna get the carry? Right. Um. So he's and a they guy didn't that, pick up anybody of significance. Um, on on offense, as far as pass catches are concerned, to take anything away from him, and right. and and the guy behind him don't have an ACL, so I mean I think he's pretty good to go. It's and arthritis, and arthritis. Yeah, so I mean it's a lot going on. He he don't have the keys to the car. He is the car. Like right. so like he's, he's, he's said, a guy so. that I'm going to keep, even though a lot of people, you know, he's approaching thirty, and people are going to try to get off of him, but not me. I'm still driving this car. Man, we go we going double for double, tight end for tight end and running back for running back. Oddly enough, man, James Conner was one of my um mm. my my keeper. I think a lot of people kind of got to keep in mind in 2015, this guy was a top five, 2021, excuse me. He was a top five running back. We got to look at it too, the positives, right? He's still in the contract for two years. That's one. The team made no attempt to find his replacement in the draft. And then also too, we got to look at, you know, the additions, right? Well, I'm not, before the additions, let's go over from weeks 10 to 17, fantasy, right? 23, 12, 20, 23, 18, 25, 14. That's 10 to 17. And this, this is me like using flat numbers, not the 0.6 or nothing else. Very productive. No Kyler Murray. What I did like is they went ahead and they add Paris Johnson to this offense. And then furthermore, with the offensive coordinator, Drew Zetling, this is somebody who came from the Cleveland uh, Browns, pardon me. And we already seen what a guy that we all familiar with, what Nick Chubb did and his successes there with that organization. This is going to be a zone running team. Obviously, it's going to play to his strengths already that he's capable of doing. And obviously, aside from being the top five blocker, so there's no reason for him to come off the field. Keontae Ingram can still have a seat. This guy is still a top five blocker even going to last year. He's going to be in a role that he's well-equipped to do in an offense very similar to what he did in Pittsburgh. And I think it's a rejuvenating season with or without Murray. You obviously want the Murray part of it, but even without Murray, again, from 10 to 17, which I listed off, he's going to get it done regardless. I think you sit tight with him. Like, you know, I've tried to move him. I'm not going to lie to the. I've been trying to get him off of what I know him to be worth. But in any situation, if you're somebody who do like a, a zero RB uh, type of strategy in your drafts where you kind of don't even pick up on running backs. He's one of those running backs you would have in that list, right? So I think hold on to him. I think he's going to pull off a lot more value. 
again, the organization is not going to move on from this guy. Like, he's one of their pillars for the next few years at least. So uh, my keep him is uh, James Conner. Now, my first keep him was going to be a quarterback, but my second one was a running back. So I'll go ahead and get in line with y'all, and we'll have this <laughs> We'll have this our first <laughs> round of the keep him be all running back. So my keep him is Joe Mixon. So the reason I have Joe Mixon as my keep him is the the name and the stock based on some of the news in the offseason, his stock is kind of taking a hit. So you don't want to move him now while it's low because you're not going to get any type of return on value. And he's not, you know, one of the older running backs. He just stays in trouble. So my thing is with him, his coach has already given him, you know, his seal of approval, if you will. It doesn't look like if there is a court case, because right now we're just at the point where he was charged with something. We don't even know that there's going to be a court case or a grand jury or whatever else is going to uh, come about. But I would hold on to him, let the season kind of unfold. And Cincinnati didn't go get anyone of note that I think scares Mixon, if you will. Um, he needed somebody else behind him. Um, hopefully Chase Brown can be a little bit better than the other two guys that are there right now because he kind of needs somebody behind him to spell him a little bit that doesn't kind of make offense so telling because they know they the, the dude behind the the dude that's <laughs> behind the line ain't getting the ball that's gonna be a pass. So I, I would say Joe Mixon, because of his situation, would be a guy that I would hold on to versus trying to move at the moment. Any objection to that, you guys? No, I think it's smart too, man. Honestly, like you said, to this point, we don't, we didn't haven't heard anything about his legal situation to to think otherwise. And like you said, they went into the draft already saying they're not going to address the situation. And to this point, they even you know keep doubling back on that stance. I think it, you know, it's mixing ride or die right now for Cincinnati. All right, let's go ahead and get in our last round of keep Bro, Joe, go ahead and start us out. And I think – I don't know if this is a keep to many people. I think it's an obvious keep but DK Metcalf, man, I think for some people who might be leery of JSN, Lockett already being a mouth or whatever, I think JSN was – and this is me being a fan – was the best thing to help DK Metcalf in a long time. We got to think, like, last year he really didn't perform well against zone coverage, but that's because of the fact, like, this was our alpha wide receiver. Like everybody knew that they had to key and move their adjustments and everything to this this man's side of the field. And Jig was only going to help us in the sense that you can't play us in in that much zone coverage. You can't lean a coverage to his side because JSN is more than capable. Lockett, who also doubles in the slot occasionally, is going to be able to be more you know accessible. So he's like pick your poison, but you if anything, you give everybody else the opportunity to get, you know, a touchdown. And I think going back to the strong suits where he didn't do well in zone coverage, the obvious is he excelled in man coverage, right? So I think with DK is like, you're going to, I think you're going to still see, if anything, a better DK with the addition of JSN in the slide. Like, it's really undervalued what JSN really going to do for us that receivers in pass haven't been able to do. So keep DK. Like, don't think the DK is like, he going to do anything. Like, you know, like, like, like subjectively think like, JSN is like a negative. It's actually a positive for us because now, you know, Metcalf really can eat. I think it really also goes to some of the hits he took. Like, you know, we know him to be a seven, eight, nine route kind of guy. We're not used to him running a two, like a slant route. We not well we we are, but we aren't used to him getting beat on beat on like most he was during the season. 
he still managed to play all the games, but nonetheless, I think it just really helps him this season uh, really peak as a wide receiver. I think it only leads to his upside, man. I think you just hold on. You keep DK. My last keep him is going to be Matthew Stafford. The reason I say Matthew Stafford Ooh. is because his value for trade is not going to be high. I don't know if it'll be high ever again, to be honest with you. But his actual output can be major. Um, he can easily be a high-end QB2, possibly back-end QB1 with the wide receivers that he's going to have access to. It's just going to be a matter of health for him. So Matthew Stafford, had he not gotten hurt, he wouldn't be a guy that we would even have a second thought about whether or not we would keep. You never again want to trade while a stock is down. You don't get anything back on your value. I would at least allow him to show and prove that he's recovered from his previous injury. Maybe that gives someone who has a quarterback injury or that person that has Tua Tungvaloa and they want a little bit of insurance versus just having Tua's backup, something like that. I would hold on to him until there's an opportune time or an opportunity that makes sense. But outside of that, you're not going to get the return on value that you should for someone who can put up the points that Stafford can. Young Vander, we're going to go ahead and round out the show with the guru. Who's your last keeper? Now, we all thought we was going to get and break out from this guy in 2022. Maybe that prediction was simply a year too early. Cam Akers. Oh, wow. He was a disappointment early part of the season. But over the last six weeks of the regular season, he led the NFL in rushing. and had a ranking of RB4 and a half-point PPR scoring over that okay. same stretch. He topped 100 yards in each of the last three games. He currently has very little competition. But in Zach Evans, that guy doesn't quite scare me as much. And, you know, as far as Sean McVay, I mean, we've seen Akers had 104 carries over the last six. But if he can get anything close to the sort of usage that McVay used to give Todd Gurley, he'd be in RB1 range. Very easy. I'm going to be honest with you. you. You hit me with something that I really didn't, that, that really wasn't on my radar as much as yeah. it should be. So <laughs> let's say if I have him, right? right? If I didn't really look into his stats as much as I should, Mm-hmm. What do you think someone would be willing to give him up for not really realizing that they may have, you know, some, you know, a diamond on their hand, but they're just looking at the, you know, the right. coal surrounding it. Maybe a wide receiver too. Okay. If you're do about do you think he has a chance to be a running back one? I just told you over the last, you know, some odd weeks, he was the leader rusher and also finished fourth and half PP and half point PPR. Like that's number four in that small I mean, it's a small sample size. Right. But right, again, right, right. he was the guy that was come off the same injuries we talk about. Dobbins but you think most people would be willing to give him up for a wide receiver, too, though? For 100%. Because okay. just like I, because the numbers I just spit out. Right, right. 80, hell, 90% of the day, fantasy owners didn't even know that. They just Unless know you Cam had Akers. him, you didn't know. I ain't right. going to lie. Unless you right. had him, or, or unless he was the reason why you lost in those right. last weeks. You right. probably don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So most people don't know because they think about. The Cam Akers I was just speaking of, everybody's right. expecting to break out and he wouldn't do nothing. I mean, the Rams often struggled last year, right? So that's the kind of print that's still in people's head. It's better to make these moves now in the offseason, guys, because once we get right. closer to the real se- the season, you're going to start hearing people saying these things I'm saying now and what we're saying now on the podcast where you start, you're going to start hearing more and more of that. Somebody's like, oh, I didn't know he was leading. Oh, no, I'm going to keep him. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if you go to the, the, the Akers owner now, I think you let him go. 
I think if you, if you wait longer, the price will go up. Especially if you haven't uh, drafted yet in your dynasties, even more likely. Because someone that isn't paying attention may have him on their roster bubble for people that they're bringing in from the draft. He's definitely someone to, you know, kind of take a look at and see, you know, maybe you can maybe you can grab him on the low and see what happens there. But that's another danger that we're going to have to dig a little bit deeper into. And that's the danger of looking at end of season stats versus looking at what actually happened at various parts of said season. If you look at his end of season stats based on what didn't happen at the beginning of the year, you would think that there wasn't much to look at there, which is what a lot of people do look at. So, right. And that's good. Kind of, that's good. That's if you're a guy that recognized what you're looking at, and it's great for you because again, exactly. he was trying to work his way back into form. I mean, he's coming off with Achilles, mm-hmm. an Achilles injury with him, right? Mm-hmm. That was two years ago, though. He's two years removed from that. Okay, and, well, and that's that's one of the that, worst that's, injuries that's, from my understanding. But that's what we're saying, though. On that second year, you start to see you kind of getting back to to you think know about him. it, guys. Years back, if you tore an Achilles, you were done. The career was over. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> there was no yeah. such thing as, I'm going to rehab this thing, come back. No, that was career ending. But with yeah. new medicine, technology, whatever you want to call it, people are coming back from him. By it being two years ago, he's right on schedule. That's why he's done now. The pie is ready to come out of the oven. So I think you're going to see a breakout from him. He's going to be a stream sleeper. He's a guy I would go get. Yeah, I feel like if he's most affordable, I definitely want to take a, a jab at him. I think, honestly, the numbers are really telling to, like you said, like him having tremendous upside. He actually somebody I'd definitely look into. But then the reasons why, honestly, they wanted to give Darnell Henderson the, the reins going into the season. Malcolm Brown was poaching in the offense. And then at one point, it was considering cutting him. The leash part of it is what I'm not – I'm just a little concerned with because he did all that – the Super Bowl run, phenomenal, came back from the ACL to come back and be their guy. The next season over, oh, we want Daryl Henderson, y'all in the backfield. Not too long after that, oh, we want to get Malcolm Brown involved. So it's, like, it's just – again, he did great the last six games, but I'm just like, uh, it ain't like it was hey, – we can't just say it was injury because he's a few years removed. He was also on the outs. So if he defied odds, obviously, but I think Zach Evans is a good uh, tandem with him. So if I'm getting him, I should already I should already have Zach Evans. I'm I to say that Zach Evans is not a problem, it's a huge problem. Like as far as a runner, he's he's a, a way better a natural runner than Akers. When you say two by far. So you say he was two years removed. Like, hold on, when was this injury? Because I don't think he played in, in twenty one at all, right? Yeah, so it's not it's not two years. He had the ACL in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't that like towards the middle or towards the? Wasn't that towards like midway or close to the end of the season? He, he missed. He missed the whole regular season pretty much in twenty one. So this is the second year. Right. Right. He's oh. right on time. So, but think about it. I think he was in that doghouse. You know, what I mean, for a few reasons. Yeah, he was. But again, the injury was one of the reasons he didn't look like. The acres of old, and you can't talk your trash and you know pump around the locker room with your chest out if you ain't who you used to be. You ain't producing. But I think as a year, I think as he got healthier and healthier and healthier, this is it. He's the guy. Because where's Malcolm Brown now? Where's Darren Henderson now? All both of them boys been shipped out. So he's the last man standing. And that'll pretty much wrap it up for this week. Next week we will be deep diving into your undervalued players. But for now. We out.